Welcome to the Royal Diaries Unlocking History. My name is Felicia. My name is Julia. We are sisters who love books, history, and talking about them both. We're doing a deep dive into the Royal Diaries series. Come with us as we learn about the girls who became women that shaped history. I guess whenever any project comes to its end, it always is one of those things where it's a, you don't want to immediately go and start looking back and be like, I wish we'd done like this different, this different, different. Like you want to just appreciate it and be present. Yeah. As we're told to be. But at the same time, that was just, it's really weird. I know for me that most things don't settle in as finished mm-hmm. on if they're part of like a regular routine or a cadence. Until I probably about a month, like half a month from now, I'll probably say, hey, Julia, we should get record. Oh, we don't get to do that. You know, and I'll say, Julia, are you ready with your with your script? Like, how's it going? And well, because let's be honest, like you're the one who really took on the producer role in this entire dynamic. Yeah. So I think especially for you. Yeah, it'll it's one less uh, calendar item on the calendar, basically. Mm -hmm. So it'll be. It'll be interesting, but definitely one of those bittersweet type of things. Mm -hmm. So you suggested, and we had talked about this previously, about a power ranking of the books in order either from best to worst, or in your case, you want to do a countdown. So going from your least favorite to the, this is my peak favorite. Exactly. Okay. My bottom five, and this isn't in a particular order, by the way. Which ones did I not enjoy as much? Mm Mm-hmm. The reason why I didn't like some of them really varied. I'm very much ascribed to that. I don't think that the person needs to inherently, like, the protagonist needs to be, quote unquote, a good person for it to be a good book. Yeah, totally. Like, this isn't anything like that. But I think for me, my bottom ones were Kazunomiya, The Prisoner of Heaven by Catherine Lasky. Definitely Jahanara, Princess of Princesses, also by Catherine Lasky. Sorry, Catherine. And then probably Isabel, the Jewel of Castilia. And then my other bottom one is definitely Elizabeth, the Princess Bride, Austria-Hungary. Yeah, so those are like my bottom five. I said Mary Queen of Scots, right? No. Okay, replace Elizabeth with Mary Queen of Scots. Yeah, no, Mary Queen of Scots. I'm sorry, pretty much all of Catherine Lasky's books, barring... They're, Elizabeth the first and Marie Antoinette are both in like the all of them are in the bottom five. They're a little weak. Her books got weaker and weaker as time went on. Yeah. And yeah. And then it goes Lady of Polinetku, Flower of Bacall. It was fine. I didn't think it was a bad book. It was not a standout book. Then it's definitely Victoria May Blossom of Britannia. She nailed Victoria's voice, but it wasn't. It was fine. Then we have Elizabeth, the Princess Bride. It was just, these were fine. And then Christina, the Girl King. That was a real toss-up that nearly ended up in the bottom five. And then the other one for bottom five is, and this one was like really hard, but I actually like want to put Anastasia, the last grand duchess, because it kind of dragged up points in terms of top 10. Again, like, and none of these are an actual order of favorite at this point. Anna Corona, Golden Flower of Haiti. I actually really love that book. I mm. love the writing style. I love the way it moved. 
I still have no idea where time is within that. But you know what? I feel like time being a lie is okay in that. I really did like Catherine the Great Journey. I reread it again. The series ends on, I think, a very strong note. Yep. And then we have Witamu, because I freaking love that book. Then we have Eleanor, Crown Jewel of Aquatine, which I think it says something that Christiana Gregory has two books in the top ten already. Yep. And then it's Lady of Chiaokyo, because even though Lawrence Yip has the most awkward opening line, I think, in the whole series, it was a novel. It's kind of funny how Lawrence Yip, one of the dudes, Mm -hmm. and he wrote one of the biggest books. And then you have Barry Denenberg, who wrote the Elizabeth Princess Bride book, and he wrote one of the shortest ones. I mean, I didn't even think that Barry's was poorly written. It was just really short, and... I think he could have done more. You know, because he wasn't wasn't a horse girl. Yeah, he He didn't understand it. He didn't understand the horse girl thing. He actually did a pretty good portrait of her and her family life. Mm -hmm. But I just, like, I wish there was more... I think that you need to fundamentally go and evaluate anything with just like what's there in front of you. But even with what's there in front of you, like, I feel like this would have been better if I had more going on. Yep. All right. And now we go and we get into the top five, which are so Marie Antoinette. Then we have Cleopatra. Then we have Elizabeth I. Then we have Kaiolani. And then the fe- the best book, the best book in this whole series is Sondok. The dark horse of all the books, let's be honest. Sondok, the one nobody saw coming, but then when it happened, you were so happy it happened. Sondok is probably, it's the best book in the series. It is the best. It is the most beautiful cover, the most beautiful presentation. It has one of the strongest plotting, like, mm. stories going on. It also, I think, has some of the best what was life like there but also i'm like you go on a journey i'll never go and get over the horror being basically like i don't like women's work but i don't like how i feel like i'm disrespecting my mother by not liking it which i'm just like that is something that i've been waiting for somebody to say aside from the fact that i have a period yes i think that was the most uh resonating line i mean if you listen back on that episode both of us were just like in our feelings on underline at the time of my youth I didn't understand or probably recognize that but I'm pretty sure if I had opened Sondok again when I was a little bit older it probably would have helped me out a little bit yeah so I'm gonna go down do the opposite of you okay so starting from the top all the way down to my least faves okay when I was thinking about how do I rank or whatever the books I found myself trying to remember okay wait is this me remembering it the way that I liked it when I was a kid Mm-hmm. Or is it actually, in some instances, us talking about it made me appreciate the book more? Yes. But in then I was just like, no, I'm just going to make it very simple for myself. I'm like, entertainment. Like, yeah. is this on my list of, I would read this again to be entertained, or it has a special place now? Yeah, that's just your litmus. I'm just doing enjoyment. Or, like I said, tender plays in my heart. So obviously, Sondok. Number one, man. Number one. It isn't like, oh, like, which one, which one? I'm like, no, no, no. 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 Like, it, Sondok is a clear winner. Yeah. Kayulani 
and that was one of those ones where it's not just childhood nostalgia coming through with this one. I still really appreciate this book. Mm-hmm. Then I liked Weedemo. That was the first time I had read it. Mm-hmm. That was great. Eleanor, again, Christiana Gregory, we've talked about how she does preteen girl so, really well. so well. Also, they actually have her relationship with her sister showing up. I appreciated that. There are a lot of siblings in these girls' lives, but we don't necessarily get really strong sibling friendships happening. See, I think part of the reason why I put Catherine slightly above Eleanor was just in terms of Catherine, because I really liked how she talked about her mom, mm. but then also her relationship with the Empress. Yes. It was well. She's torn between these two mother figures unlike some of the books where it's like i feel torn between like two mentors that one actually really got into it yeah yeah then i like elizabeth the first mm-hmm. i think that's a really strong one then catherine marie antoinette mm-hmm. cleopatra nzinga my only complaint about nzinga always why like, wasn't it longer nzinga is a different why isn't it longer from elizabeth because elizabeth needed to be longer to like fill in and make it better nzinga was tight and it was really freaking strong it, it left me wanting, wanting in a more good way. yeah it wasn't like that's it that's all that happened a lot happens but instead it was just she was such an engaging character. Mm-hmm. I wanted to read more about her stuff. Exactly. Unlike Elizabeth, where I'm like, come on, sis. Yeah, do something. Yep. Then I put Isabel, not because, you know, that whole thing of like real person or this mm-hmm. stuff, but because in terms of strong characterization and yeah. really understanding who is this girl, Yeah. her diary presentation was so dynamic. Mm-hmm. So that's what makes it still stand out to me. Also, that one does have really good food shots too as well. Yes. Yes. Good food there too. Then we have Lady of Chowku, which like we said, really talk about expanding upon four pages of actual historical detail mm-hmm. and like he writes an amazing caper escapade it has everything in it the thing about lady of chiaoku it's not the strongest royal diaries book but i would recommend that people would go and read it for their own entertainment if yeah. that makes sense yeah i mean it, definitely in terms of i could see it being an entertainment property like a miniseries very easily i would rather watch an adaptation of his book than anybody else's at this point yeah then anastasia fair enough then christina because she's not a nice person in my opinion no. i didn't enjoy her i did not enjoy however her i think this is where this gets into that whole thing of because i did the research my gosh carolyn meyer really did a really good job in terms of capturing the I'm not like other girls-ness that Christina of Sweden truly had. Caroline Meyer also went and wrote the Isabel book too and in terms of I'm a dowdy fuddy-duddy who wants to ruin everybody else's fun she did a really good job of that too. So basically she she's really good at writing these let's be honest not very likable people but making them but, engaging well and making a good making a story out of it yeah you know and so i think that's a challenge in itself oh yeah so how do i go and take an unlikable person and make you actually want to want to like read this book yeah that's a challenge and so i think she stood up to it then i put elizabeth the princess bride then lady of helen quick you uh, did an entire episode on her i know but i still you know what it is it's because i only appreciated that book after doing the research Doing the research. Without the research, that's why this book is down this bad. Yeah. For me. Anacona, I liked it, but again, for funsy entertainments, 
because of it just devolves into the very real reality of Christopher Columbus showing up. I don't want to reread that again. It's Fair a, enough. It's a bummer. Victoria, Casinomia, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, uh, she suffers from which boy do I choose syndrome. Mm-hmm. Jahanara and the Mary Queen of Scots. Poor Catherine Lasky. Like, I mean, three of her books on the bottom five for both of us. I mean, and that's what I think was so surprising is that she set the this- tone for these books. But you know what? She likes Elizabeth the first mm-hmm. and has like a personal passion for it. Whereas the other ones, it came across more like she was just sort of assigned to do these ones. Mm-hmm. And she did her best. I would understand, too, if I had to write about a fictitious account of a historical subject who I was just like, I don't really care about this person or I don't know anything about this person. I mean, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I I mean, she also wrote the Marie Antoinette one. And I I think she liked Marie Antoinette more. Except for Sondok and really Kaiolani, who are like one number one and number two for for both of us, actually. I would say that Marie Antoinette and Elizabeth I are pretty interchangeable for me. But I will say, actually, you know what? Yeah, no. Marie Antoinette's number three for me. Yeah. Like, if I had to pick a Catherine Lasky one, which one is better, it's Marie Antoinette. It had stronger imagery, too, as well. Yeah. Like, from a writing perspective. I mean, that's also partially why I liked Cleopatra so much. The poisonous snake in the opening thing to her and Octavian playing with the boats and everything like that, too. There's a lot of, uh, this is who she is now, and this is where she's going on this path, and she doesn't even realize it. I think I appreciate the Elizabeth one because they really, she took the time to get into the very real trauma and scariness of Elizabeth's growing up life where, you know, she and her friend Robin are playing the nine pins to appease the spirit of her dead stepmother's soul and am i gonna get banished am i gonna get get banished and then like the whole thing with Catherine parr she almost gets killed so on the knife edge that one but also the maria Antoinette one a lot of these books are about stripping away the veneer of our idealized visions of being royalty and being a princess I wish she had carried that further with her other books. That further I, tension. Because I think that would have helped because then Jahanara didn't really do anything. There weren't the same feeling of tension and stakes. Exactly. And same with like Kazunomiya. Like her big tension was who am I going to get married to? And obviously like it's more, but it never got... A- we know it, it means more, more. But the book never really, I think, conveyed it as successfully as it could have. And what the f- was going on Mary Queen of Scots well and if anything I feel like with actual real life political tensions of who's going to take over the English throne and because Henry VIII's turning you know Protestant that was a huge upheaval in Europe and yep. you know she's Scottish and, and Catholic and all this other and stuff and Scotland's like, going Presbyterian suddenly but none of this gets woven in in a way that could have been we're living on the knife's edge here too which missed opportunity even with Kaiulani there's also that tension and that push and that pull and where things going and wanting to have power but not having it and being diminished by outside forces time and time again Mm -hmm. that was present there 
what would you say is your most memorable slash best recommendation of a book that you would have given back in the day versus now? I think when I was younger, I probably would have picked Cleopatra or Marie Antoinette because mm-hmm. those are the two that I reread the most. Yeah. As we all know, Marie Antoinette is my Scorpio LARPing walking disaster mm-hmm. and Cleopatra is my erudent queen of the Nile, truly, and yeah. not the hoe of the Nile. Yes. Unlike Julius Caesar, the hoe of the Tiber, or Mark Antony, the hoe of the Mediterranean. I would have picked one of those two. Now that I'm older, Sondok. Yeah. Like, what? There, there's no other answer. There's now, like, I even wrote there, like, what is the best one? Which one are you read? Everybody should read Sondok. Because just as a historical fiction book, it gets a 10 out of 10 on both those categories. Because there's history that you should know, but probably weren't told as a kid. Mm-hmm. And then it also has good story writing. Back in the day, I usually would have said, read Elizabeth I because she's well known to mm-hmm. most people. But just read Sondok. If you read Sondok first and then you're disappointed with the quality of the other ones, uh, please, no refunds are necessary. Blah, exactly. Blah, blah, blah. Even like the whole thing with her mom too and doing the spirit thing, providing your father an heir and then the shaman, you already did because it's her. I'm going to cry because it's all falling apart and her mom is just taking it and it's like you want her to fight but she won't. I want to scream at the top of my lungs. I know. It's very arresting, the imagery it paints, for sure. Well, a really good example of parents as people, parents as rulers, at the same time having a good villain nemesis, too, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Who doesn't come across as totally cartoonish. He has his moments of feeling like a little bit like a stock Disney villain, but it doesn't matter because the rest of it is better than that. Exactly. And also there's a good payoff. There is. That's really what it is. It is the strongest ending story-wise, thematically, everything. (laughs) This is just turning into a We Heart Sondog podcast. Okay, so in terms of, we've talked about this too, about the bad parent list. Oh, you mean our power ranking of shitty dads that we started talking about on like episode three? Except moms can be included here too. I won't be able to remember all the parents, but I'll say there's some standout ones who get the prize for dysfunctional trauma drama. Okay, you get to go first this time. So I said, besides the obvious choice of Henry VIII banishing Elizabeth, killing her step mom and killing her actual mother killing her actual mom and then coming for her new stepmom yep cleopatra's dad needs aa yep eleanor's dad needs to not be dead Mm -hmm. elizabeth's parents needs to step in and not let her get married when she's 16 years old to this what the heck emperor guy exactly obviously anastasia's parents need therapy they need therapy become less codependent or you know what Nicholas, do a lateral career move. I know. I'm like, quit your job and just go. Go. Leave. Same with Victoria's mom. That's another piece of work one. Another codependency. Needs a lot of therapy. Needs to do a lot of grief work and counseling. Yeah. And then Catherine's mom is a real POS. Yeah. Especially to her, so... Those are the the standout memory ones. Oh, and yeah, and obviously Sondag's dad getting rid of the mom because she's not making him an heir, but he has an heir. And so what are you doing, dad? What are you doing? What? What? What What are are you you doing? doing? Eleanor's dad also not just because like being dead and everything. He was kind of like a deadbeat. And then, and then when he decides to get his life together, he, he dies. dies. Wow. I'm thanks, like, thanks, dad. dad. 
You know who I would also go and add to is less absolutely terrible, but more like deeply neglectful is definitely Maria Teresa with Marie Antoinette. Yeah, I have too many kids. I'm busy and like, with oh, them. When you become relevant to my job, that's when I'll talk to you. But even then, it's in a business format. Obvious things of abuse. Cleopatra's dad making her see her sister's head come in on a platter. Yeah. Is definitely psychotic. But I also think, though, emotionally neglecting your children and making them into just like a political pawn is a terrible thing to do. Yes. No, yeah. no disagreements there. In terms of our most likely to, as in if this was a yearbook. This was my suggestion, by the way. <laughs> so how do you see this going? I'm going to go in publication order because that's what I did them in. Elizabeth is most likely to go and have the highest average in school. Cleopatra is most likely to be misunderstood after she dies in a dramatic fashion. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Isabel is most likely to ruin everybody's fun. Marie Antoinette is most likely to be super nice, but so oblivious in being nice that she ends up ruining everybody else's time. Anastasia is most likely to go and end the year on a complete bummer yep. by bringing down the mood. Nazinga is most likely to go and get shit done and most likely to go and be disappointed in you and let you know. <laughs> Kailani is most likely to go and be shortchanged by her life in total. With Lydia Chao-Ku, most likely to be a slow starter, but to really be a grower and also most likely to be the most self-aware from the get-go. Victoria, most likely to over-underline everybody's signature in her yearbook, will also go and not realizing that she should not go and be taking your stuff. <laughs> Mary Queen of Scots, most likely to go and complain about having to go and move all the way to France and how much it sucks, when really she secretly loves it there and likes to go and send you Instagram photos of all the fun stuff that she's doing while wandering around France. Sondok, most likely to actually go and get shit done in a meaningful way and also be disappointed by her dad. Also most likely to go and win another academic prize. Jahanara, most likely to go and give up after going and making eye contact with a man <laughs> once in her life. <laughs> Eleanor, most likely to have to go in and tell a man to shut up. Elizabeth, most likely who needed to go and tell a man to shut up but doesn't go and do it until it's too late. Christina, most likely to need to shut up. <laughs> Weetamu, most likely to also go and try to get shit done, be undermined, still be a boss, and nobody can go and remember who she is. <laughs> Lady of Planek, also most likely to go and get things done and to go and live a really cool life, but again, nobody will remember who she is. Kazunomiya, most likely to win a poetry prize. Anacrona, most likely to win a poetry prize as if she didn't go and date or paginate her pages properly. And Catherine, finally, most likely to go and think she's so great, but really, she's not. These are what I have. Nice. I never got to go and do these things in high school, so I don't know if I did it completely wrong, but that's what came to me spiritually. So I didn't do all the girls, but I just did some of them, the ones that I could really think of when I was looking at their names. Fair enough. So Sondak, most likely to call you out on your BS, especially about the stars. Kaiulani, most likely to travel and then school you about how your worldview is limited. <laughs> Weedemo, most likely to get in trouble for calling it like it is. Yes. 
Eleanor, the most likely to break the nerd's heart and then run off with the jock. <laughs> Nzinga, the one whose bad side you don't want to get on. Very true. Isabel, the one who's silently judging you and plotting for years. True. Elizabeth, you'd think she'll call it out, but she's also a plotter too. Mm-hmm. Slash nerd girl boss. Yes. Marie Antoinette, the one friend who just doesn't get it, but she's so nice, you let it slide too many times. Oh my god. <laughs> Cleopatra, the mom friend of the group, but like a tiger mom. Oh my god. And Lady Xian, the one who does the whole group project. Exactly. <laughs> 100%. So who do you think should get a book slash if they were going to reboot this series, who would you want to be included or make it different about? I think that having Catherine of Aragon, even though Philippa Gregory, the constant princess is still probably to me like one of the most emotionally fulfilling and draining books she ever wrote. Yeah. That was for me emotionally peak. That was the one that really got me interested in Catherine of Aragon. I would love to see a Catherine of Aragon book because she had a very intense and very interesting life even in her younger years parents were doing like the conquest of spain of granada yeah Yeah, and then she moves into the alhambra then she's betrothed to arthur then she goes to england the culture difference it'd be kind of like marie antoinette the only thing is though it would probably end with a major bummer spoiler alert he freaking dies yeah arthur dies That would be interesting. Mm -hmm. And also what I would do, I'm not going to write in this book until I'm married again. Mm. And then years later, it finally happened. She and Henry get married. And on a slightly more positive note, because from what we know, she and Henry actually did really get along. He was in love with her. Yeah, they had a good relationship initially. Exactly. Over 20 years had gone by and she'd only had like one surviving kid. And then Henry started to get his complex even more so. Yeah. So Catherine of Aragon, Jadwiga was one of the first like female monarchs of Poland. And she was crowned. She was 13 years old. And what's really cool is that Polish version of the law said, we need to have a king, but it didn't specify that the king had to be male. So she's actually formally titled Jadwiga Rex. So she's king of Poland. She didn't live a super long time, but she was such a baller. And what she did and her contributions, we need more Slavic kings and queens, you know? Yeah, there's an eastern swath of Europe that kind of got a little bypass there. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Like, those are two of mine. I have more, but I'd like to hear yours. So I actually wrote down it would be cool to have Jadwiga, mostly because of, obviously, personal heritage. Interests. Interests. But genuinely, she's probably on the list of people don't know much about her. Yeah. I also wrote Noor Jahan, a.k.a. the villain in the Jahanara book. She's actually a very interesting woman. Mm-hmm. And I want more about her and Wu Zen, mm-hmm. Empress of China. More of these maligned women or quote-unquote villainous women. Not in a glorifying way, but in a how-do-we-get-here type of way. I think a lot of times when women were too ambitious or too power-hungry, it was viewed as being deviant to being a woman. Mm -hmm. And so that's why the same thing that happens now, where it's if you're cutthroat at work, you're a bitch. But if you're a guy, you're the boss. Exactly. So I think it'd be kind of cool to look at more of those type of women who weren't necessarily born into royalty, but they became prominent royal figures. Yeah. That would be almost my spin-off series that I'd want. 
because mm-hmm. we have like the born to rule type of women with this. What's the opposite of born to rule? Acquires power. Coming to rule or something. I don't know how something. put it. The only person who I was going to add in, because we talked about it, and I recently re-listened to our Cleopatra episode, I would really love to go and have Nefertiti or Hesepshut, if that's how you pronounce her name. A couple of more ancient queens that we know of. Yeah. Even like, you know, Queen Esther of Persia and stuff like that, and that whole thing would from a Jewish context even. Yeah. Also, wouldn't it be cool to go and have a Jewish protagonist, considering we have a, a deeply anti-Semitic character? Yeah, just a bit. Just a bit. Uh, oh, oh, Isabel. I know. So, you know, what would you do differently about the series? Again, not going and having all the indigenous characters at the very end. Yeah. I would go and change that. We talked about how we don't think that you need to necessarily always reflect the same background of your characters. But if you don't, then you really need to go and make up with it with your attentiveness or at least a good editor or some like cultural community members to review your stuff. More than just, I went on a trip to a place. Or like I did I had, archive research. Yeah, and that being it. Because there is something about talking, talking to, to someone, like you said, in a community. Mm-hmm. And also interweaving what's the legacy mythology of this person in that community versus how are they being talked about in archival material. Exactly. There's a big difference there too. The one book that I think that, again, is like, to me, one of the more egregious ones in the series is Jahanara. Her whole, like, Elizabeth the First pendant. We do go and have her making eye contact with a white guy and her be like, I can't write anymore. I can't read suddenly. Her being, like, the least Muslim Muslim that ever existed. I exactly. wouldn't even know that she was Muslim. Muslim. It came out within a year or so of 9-11. Yeah. And you have a Muslim character. So not like all Muslims. Yeah. And there was a lot of that, which you can make, like, a good critique whenever you want to like these books clearly are making critiques but you're not even doing like a useful type of engagement with the second largest religion on the planet that has a really long history even within like the South Asian continent. Well, and I think that's where these books could be wonderful gateways and educational tools mm-hmm. that someone may not pick up a book, Religious of the World 101, mm-hmm. but you do have, there's some differences in religion. Not everyone's Christian in here mm-hmm. that you could get into a bit more about the ritual and religious practices. I learned more about her doing a freaking puja yeah. than I did about the fact that she's going to go and, and be praying five times or upholding or f- the pillars. I was going to say, or fasting for Ramadan. Yeah. I think... And even then when she was talking about her fasting, was that her complaining about it, not, you know, tapping into, this is why we do it. This is why it's important for me. Yeah. And I think those are those critiques that are very valid. If this is a historical fiction, how are you serving the history side of this from an educational standpoint? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what these books were supposed to be about, even though I like to categorize them all as which ones are entertaining the most. Part of the entertainment is what you learn. Is learning. Yeah. So give me more stuff to learn. Don't presume that the reader can't understand or can't handle it. Yeah. You know, they can handle it. Mm -hmm. The way that eventually they got into menstruation and like, I'm pretty sure people could handle it. And also people having sex because they were having children. Yeah. I think that's also the reason why Anna Kona was up there for me. She has a period and she has sex and she has a baby. God bless. Things that actually happen to women. Yeah. So before we switch into our sort of final two questions, I have a treat for you. Oh, God. You get to listen. I get to listen. We'll record your reaction. Okay. So uh, I hope you enjoy. Well, just because the mirrors, that's the only thing that will actually bounce sound. 
No. It, no, it will. I know it will, but it's okay. I probably, but I'm just. Well, do we have hold any on, hold on, hold of those like adhesive? Um, no, no, I mean, no. you have your patty thing. You know what? We should just get a scarf or something. It's oh. no, no, it's good. It's good. It just okay. you're trying to cut down the reflection of sound, but you have a decent amount of like soft materials that are gonna be absorbing. Exactly. That's why we should be in the, in the closet. closet. Oh, oh, oh. Just try not to bump the. We're just being far right, away. Bye. 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 Thank you, Michael. Thank you. All right. <laughs> you put on your like NPR voice. All right. Welcome. Mm-hmm. Welcome to uh, Fresh Air or Future Trash with uh, Julia. Okay. All right. So, Franska Shaskowalva. I will now have Julia, who actually is what level in Duolingo Polish are you at? I'm like in a diamond league. Diamond League, Duolingo, Polish. Yeah. Uh, Franziska Whenever I hear anything bone-related, I just hear my freaking shadow and bone. Oh I'm God. sorry, that's where my brain oh my went to right away. It's like, look into the bone racism with the Grisha. It's like, oh, oh, oh. Anyways, sorry. Okay, so this is now the new bone ring system of the real one, not of Shadow and Bone. Which doesn't actually have a bone ring system. My which brain is, is just really weird. Which is like a weird, like, now that I think of it, I'm like, where did the bones fit in Shadow and Bone? I know, where, wait, I think it's like, like yeah, because she has antlers around her neck. I mean, antlers are technically bone. But like, I don't know. Oh, uh, I guess Shadow and Antlers just didn't. It doesn't vibe as well. It's not as like creepy and mysterious. Exactly. Okay, anyways. Uh, by the Gorjik, oh, sorry, Gorjel, Bon Huansgasa. You know, I'm really happy for Sagittarius folks. They finally get a win because other than that, they're the worst, except for our mom. What? <laughs> yes. We're not. We're not ragging on Sagis here. You, you can know. cut that if you want. Yeah, to. we can't keep Sag. I want to go and include our. Do you need to open up the books at the back page here because you didn't write in your script part? That's hilarious. You can't do yes. an orchestrated joke. It works. Orchestrated jokes are 50-50. I think that this one could work. And not the tournament and dining uh, fun activity you can do. No. If people rag for me saying either one, I'm sorry. I'm not a true medievalist historian. Yes. Is that what you want to see? You get Briani Rice the other day because you were reading about this book and you're just like, I need to have Briani. Alicia, I'm in I'm in the GTA and I go into a convenience store and I need to grab something hot and good to eat. You're gonna go and get the freaking Briani. We're gonna cut that. Yeah. Anyways. And then I'm just sitting here thinking, okay, sorry, okay, I'm gonna do that again. Swarming and chomping, same death. Exactly. Got, like bear flavored nipples. I know, like, right? He's just Sahib 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 We'll share this so you all can spin along. Oh my god. <laughs> Dara Sik- Are you looking at your phone? No. Okay. Phone's here, dummy. Sorry, I'm tired. <laughs> Primogenitor. I can say Primogenitor. Play okay. Barbie. Like Barbie princess right there. Life in the dream house. Pretty much. Please cut that out. (laughs) Dangerous. Are we sure? I mean, she... (laughs) 
Argentinian Duchy of Wayfair. Wayfair, not Wayfair. Yes. So well, I was just gonna say, me being a low key, okay, I'm not a Francophile, but I am just deeply interested in French history. I'm like, oh, it's like King of the Franks versus King of France. I'm like, well, and I'm not interrupting (laughs) right now, but I have thoughts. Lots of lots of self control over here, folks. <laughs> lots of self control. Julia has it much more than I do. Let's be honest. If I do this, it means I'm about to cough. All right. Shoot. Uh, shoot. <laughs> Anybody want some champagne? We're in the middle of a chase. That's right. Something red. <laughs> do you need me to go and open up to the back page because you once again have not written the summary into your actual script? Every time. Bad Eichel. I'm definitely saying that properly, but it says bad, and you know what? The it Michael is bad. It is, it is bad news. It's like, it is bad news. It's bad. That's that is the most. Oh, seriously, when it comes to like that show, but then also like the new animated one, I'm like, Cece talking to animals is accurate than any of the other nonsense that happens in them. Yeah. Do you like that tea? It's deep for too long. Please don't drink all my tea. It's fine. Prudish English ambassador Bolstroyd Whitelock. I'm sorry, Bolstroyd Whites Whitlock. Whitelock. Bolstroyd Whitelock. The most British name of British. As an adult, <laughs> I used to get this one Twitter user that I follow. It's like Helen King Shamer Love Could you imagine like, you just having like a birthday party and like, the Pope shows up as your parents hired a clown without telling you? I mean, the Pope was probably dressed like a clown too. So. <laughs> yeah, also, you know what? I really want to go and have a death of Stalin style film about this period in her life where also like these intros like back in Rome, <laughs> like back in Naples, like where the fuck are we? <laughs> like this giant gush of blood ever is like really comical too. Like over the top. Actually, beside JP two, Pope John Paul II. So. I was going to say, I know who I know who Juan Pablo dosis Felicia. <laughs> but in case, in case other people are think we're too familiar, JP two. <laughs> Dulorns, Dulorn. I don't know how I can say that. Five hundred and fifty-nine paintings went to the French Duke d'Orléans. Orleans. Why can't I say that? The just, French just Duke go and say it. Orleans. Just go and say it like and do, Orleans. do Orleans. Do Orleans. The French Duke Orleans. I buy your cash and your gold. Oh my God! <laughs> and now I buy silver. Pretty uh, much. Love is passed out in the bedroom drinking that whiskey bottle. No, Uncas. Yeah. No, he was so hot and nice. You're talking about the loss of the Mohicans, right? Oh, yeah. Never seen it. All you have to know is you might have come for Daniel Day-Lewis, but you're staying for Uncas. Oh, my God. Anyways. Oh, does he die? Yeah, he dies in that one. It's lame. Anyway. Daniel Day-Lewis should have died in that movie. Uh, Great never, theme music, though. I've never seen Last of the Mohicans. I saw Dance of the Wolves, and after that, I was like, you know, this genre of... This, <laughs> this genre? <laughs> of white, white people, people becoming enlightened when they have to live with indigenous people don't need that in my life. In Tenochtitlan, oh, 
Michael's gonna kill me for saying that wrong. Just go and get Michael. Up to ten. You should just go and get Michael. He uh, doesn't read Aztec. But Michael will at least like try at least a little bit more than that. To talk to ten. To talk to ten. To talk to Len. To talk to Len. We're doing our best, folks. Yeah. They should call this place Shell Dorado. Shell Dorado. And then you're just like Christ above. I still love that movie though. Perry. Perry who? Who's Perry? It's funny. Perry. <laughs> As opposed to in Inuasha when he's like, do I like Kagome or do you like Kikyo? I'm like, that is a real choice. That is a real choice. Except one is dead in like reanimated clay. Even if she is your long lost love and she's trying to kill you. Inuasha, why are you like even interested in her? She's mysterious, I guess. What's this Kikyo sound again? <laughs> If this episode turns out to be really long, that's getting cut, but it'll live on in extras. <laughs> okay. Okay. How do you say this girl's name again? Anaconda. Mm -hmm. Not Anaconda. My name is Angela. Hey here. Hello. Welcome to my very own show. For those of you who do not get that reference, oh you are clearly not a Canadian child in the late 90s, early 2000s. Okay. Also, okay, quick, quick side note. So, best version of the Ghost of Christmas Past. Muppet Christmas Carol, not even talking about okay, it. Okay, well, obviously Muppet Christmas Carol, but let's also go and be real that uh, the Flintstones with their meta Christmas Carol, them putting it on and then Wilma being like the repeat of Ghost for Fred. Oh, yeah. Like, the, now that looking back upon I'm like, honestly, the Flintstones Und Christmas Carol is an not- under An underrated classic. Underrated classic. A gem of a film. <laughs> I would love to analyze it at one point. Maybe that's what we'll do for a side thing. Yeah, okay. like, like Chris's crank film pod or something like that. 2000. Can you read a number? No. As early as 21,000. 2100. 2100. Lucao? Sorry. K.O. Kind of like me being like, where is Yugoslavia? It's like, you're a dumbass. The first time I ever learned about Hispaniolan geography was when there was a freaking earthquake oh, and yes. our parents were down there, but they were in the Dominican Republic. So I was sitting there freaking out, being like, I am officially an orphan. And then I had to call you and I was like, it's in Haiti, Julia, don't worry. But then, and then I was you're like, like you dumbass, it's the same island. <laughs> and it's like, it's fine. And then didn't hear from them for like three freaking days. Finally, like, oh yeah, like the phones were really busy, but like, we're alive. Thanks, assholes. You couldn't have called us sooner. Yeah, that was a fun time. Get out of here, Fernando. <laughs> Call Ferdinand. Fernando. Is it oh. Fernando? Fernando, whatever. Who, gives a, who, who, who cares? cares what his name is? Cabano. Oh, that's not his name. Cabano. Canobo. I took a moment because I cannot remember my Roman numerals for a moment. I had a Bart Simpson moment. Wait a second. Oh Rocky God. B plus Rocky Two means Rocky Seven. Adrian's Revenge. Anyways, it's S-A-L-T-Y-K-O-M. It's Saltykov. 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 I feel like you need to go and play like the music over that, please. We'll have to like find that music. I don't know what music you're referring to, but clown car music? Clown car music. All right.
God. <laughs> my entire well, the shots inside my brain the entire time. It's like what's going do 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 so my present to you. Thank you. Thank you for getting all my, the bloopers. Thank you for getting my clown car music. And also, those are really bloopers from a part of the last half. Gosh, I know I couldn't do it for all of it, mostly because of how I saved or didn't save certain recording things. Because mm-hmm. I only thought about the idea of doing bloopers further into the series. I can't believe you didn't real see the blooper potential of the first. I know episode. for there to be comedy gold, my skills weren't there yet. So what's something that you have learned, not necessarily history, but in the experience of this? I felt like every time I was putting together an episode script, the temptation to kind of be a little bit of a history essay was there. Part of the reason why people hate writing history essays at a certain point is because the essay format is kind of boring. Sometimes you would have so little to go on for somebody. With Lady Shan, we only have four pages of her not even because you don't want it to be a filler but it's a how do i go and i meaningfully go and bring in information for other people even when we were talking about guess who's coming to dinner the worst thanksgiving dinner ever with Wheatamu. let's go and spin this wheel with jahanara it was really trying to learn of how do you go and you make something engaging and interesting to learn when people don't have a visual aid some podcasts it's just people chatting with each other and talking back and forth it's we're gonna go and be playing with the points that we always end up going and hitting and everything like that you know we have a bit of a format for us how do you go and take even the two people talking with each other and actually make it meaningful and engaging you always got to go and think of your listeners so i think that for me i am in grad school and i do teach and I'm about to go and teach first full course ever this coming winter term. We're going to have to be online for like a good chunk of the term because if everybody knows what's going on in the world. Okay, how do I go and I make this engaging for students who have been doing this now for two years? And so I think that this podcast actually really helped me think more creatively and outside of the box in this way. Which is great. What about yourself? So I learned how to be a showrunner, producer, and editor. 100% man. (laughs) But technical skills aside, like you were saying, how different ways to present history when Mm -hmm. you don't want to just to be reading off a Wikipedia page or whatever kind of bio and also thinking of fun and creative ways and working with you on those and workshopping those. That was a lot of fun. I also learned how to show manage with you This is a voluntary experience for you. You're not my employee. We don't have a contract. So it's making sure that I'm respecting our friendship, our relationship. Mm -hmm. But at the same time saying we We have 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 a schedule. I need time to edit. But I also need to make sure that you don't get pissed and quit the project because. Well, I mean, I would have gotten pissed and quit the project. But that was one of the things that I was keeping in mind because you took on the role of doing the editing all the social media, which I think you did a little bit too much, maybe not too much with the social media, but fam, the amount of effort she's gone into our social accounts. Seriously. I'm just saying I now have a wonderful social media portfolio piece. Which is another thing that... The supplemental material, I really think, takes the project to the next level. Yeah. Personally. And I the, agree completely. And the Tumblr is the best, in my opinion. Y'all been sleeping on the Tumblr. 
Go to it. You'll like it. Yeah. How do you go when you work collaboratively and creatively? I'm not usually, quote unquote, friends with my coworkers or my colleagues. We get along and everything. But I usually am not working super closely with my close friends on stuff. If you have an argument or disagreement, you know, can we talk it out? Or, you know, the opportunity just doesn't necessarily go and present itself. Mm-hmm. So if you're here, I'm working now with my sister yeah. on a project. When I say that our relationship was put to the test, it wasn't in a bad way. It was in a actually, oh, no, we actually do know how to communicate and collaborate and be respectful of each other very well, yeah. actually. If yeah. anything, it just forced us to put into action what I think we already knew how to do, mm-hmm. but it made us have to do it more consistently with each other. Things rise up at a point. Okay, can we talk about it? Can we do it? But yeah, the point of the consistency and the frequency of it. Yeah. I also wanted to point out that our growth on social was 100% organic. Oh, yeah. No paid ads, no sponsors. Aside from our collab with Dead Queens. Mm-hmm. Old-fashioned, here's our podcast type of messaging. If someone expressed any interest in Royal Diaries or History Podcasts, they probably received a pitch tweet. We are two fans of this book series. We love history. Do these two people actually go and sit around talking about colonialism, patriarchy, royalty, and power all the time? That's what we do for fun. This is what we talk about. Regular conversations. So nothing put upon. I feel at this point, if anything was an act, it would have probably dropped pretty quickly. Probably. Because... It's exhausting yeah. to be like this. If, All the time. E- even if you're sincerely meaning it. We're amateur historians. We mean like in the most pure sense of amateur, which is like for the love of. Yes. Any other thoughts or feelings about the experience? We're sort of dying into that area right now anyways. I mean, I think going and getting feedback on socials. Oh my God, like I really loved this series growing up and I totally forgot about it. One of our followers has been doing like a reread in chronological order. Mm-hmm. She ended on Anastasia. What a bummer. And it's, well, to be honest, well, like, it was going to be a bummer either way, way. girl. Exactly. <laughs> and with like a lot of indigenous women in contact with colonization. Colonization, yeah. That's part of the joy in it, too, as well. Being a slightly critical about, like, your nostalgia and not idealizing things. But at the same time, though, it's like what C.S. Lewis says. Mm. When I was younger, I didn't want to go and read fairy tales because I thought I was too grown up. But now that I'm older, that's all I want to go and read. Yeah. And I think that there is something about actually, you know, reading something that you enjoy And something that you enjoyed when you were a child and having it still have some meaning for you. What a wonderful thing. And that's also a really great way to feel like connected to who you are in like a really holistic way. That feeling of joy and being seen for loving a random childhood series Mm -hmm. that wasn't necessarily super mainstream. It's almost like a secret secret club. It's a secret Royal Diaries book club. So it's fun to have that vibe and the person's name is Catherine. Thank you, Catherine. Yes, Catherine, a very active Twitterer with us, and we've appreciated your discourse on your books. I love learning about different cultures and the historical people and places that Mm -hmm. I knew before, but it's also shifted my viewpoint of history to see it more larger and interconnected than I thought even previously. The whole, you know, the sins of the father come to the future generations Mm -hmm. is much more apparent to me now. So now, even when I'm encountering things or someone's bringing something up, a regular current event, Mm -hmm. my brain is now doing that galaxy brain of history. (laughs) And these books and the research that we've done 
have added to that Mm -hmm. in a really great way that I'm really thankful for the interconnectedness too as well when you kind of realize when like you're reading especially the the ones are set in the 17th the late 16th century also like when christina's like imploding her life nazinga's fuck off portuguese and then when Catherine just before like she's getting ready to go and head off maria Teresa and frederick of prussia are going getting like mentioned they're up and coming at this point then maria antoinette gets born a few years later it's all connected yeah very much so the phenomenon of everything's global now you know the interconnectedness of the global that's always been there yeah we just didn't necessarily think about it because we didn't have the technology in the same way that we do now that makes us even more apparent we were always this connected and Mm -hmm. ripple effecty on each other especially when you go and you think about europe asia the african continent and everything like that there was trade there was travel people were showing up in various places we weren't ignorant of each other no we just chose to go and treat people ignorantly when we wanted to go and acquire power yeah essentially and by we i mean european white people insert juice rain i know voice clip and then my final concluding thought of it's really nice to have worked on a project since 2020 mm-hmm. with you because when we initially started this i think a lot of things were up in the air how long would we do this what's the timing like our schedules Mm-hmm. I think it's been a wonderful time of us getting to be more intentional with spending time together. Yeah. We actually know how to s- schedule connecting points mm-hmm. for us outside of this project, too. So I think we're honoring our friendship more, as Esther Burrell would want us to. Oh, my God. So I think it's been really good for us. So those are my concluding thoughts where I'm so proud of us for doing this. Mm-hmm. That And we finished it, too. And that we finished it. Yeah. I'm just, cheers, cheers to us. I am really proud of us, yeah, for finishing. But yeah, I definitely do feel closer to you. Mm-hmm. Not to go and go like super deep, yo. But you know, growing up, listen, folks, we did not get along when we were younger like no. that much. But one of the things that could always bring us together was a love of history, a love of reading, and a sharing like interests and stories that for me, it's nice to go and have something that was one of the few tenuous connections that we had together actually now be one of the least significant connection because we actually have a meaningful relationship and friendship now. Yeah, this isn't the whole of our relationship. This is a nice almost bow on top of our relationship. Exactly. Project. Instead of being the main thing. Yeah. So I think we should cheers. We should cheers. Okay. I'm currently opening up the mini bottle of the Martini Prosecco. And honestly, this is in the office. I do not recall why I bought this. Uh, for such a time as this. Part clearly. of that, maybe me being like, I'm going to go and make sure I celebrate the end of every chapter that I finish writing. That was a lie. Well, you're finishing, you're celebrating the finishing of how many chapters you wrote basically for this podcast. Pretty much. Well, there's not a good pop, but we'll just go. Boop, boop. <laughs> Just insert a sound. Insert popping sound here. Perfecto. Perfection. Cheers. Cheers. To the Royal Diaries Unlocking History podcast. Amen. That's a terrible clink. (laughs) Just put in, insert. These are duds. Yeah, just just put in a clinking sound. Also, P.S. Shout out to friends and family who uh, 
didn't really interfere with this project. And by not interfering, that was the greatest support we could have had. Oh yeah, 100%. We had to be done, we're recording it. Okay, don't worry about it, sweetheart. Michael, he's taking over the closet again. You know it. Exactly. <laughs> Follow us for more research, fun facts, soundtracks, and aesthetic posts. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, and Twitter at Royal Diaries Pod.